This is a production of WEDU-PBS, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota. Coming up next, the legislature finishes work on a $112 billion budget and a long list of new laws. Among them, the parental rights or don't say gay bill, which is getting pushback from some quarters, including Disney employees. The legislature focused on social issues and decided not to address many kitchen table issues, such as rising rents, condo safety, or homeowners insurance. And powerful industries won favors from this session, including the sugar industry and the nursing home industry. We'll discuss it all right now on Florida This Week. Welcome back. Joining us this week on our panel, April Schiff is the president and co-founder of Strategic Solutions of Florida and the Hillsborough County State Republican Committee woman. Rita Ferrandino is the innovation consultant at the University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education and a Democrat from Sarasota. Daryl Paulson is the emeritus professor of government and politics at USF St. Petersburg. And Mary Ellen Kloss is the Capitol Bureau Chief for the Tampa Bay Times and the Miami Herald. Great to see you all. Thank you for coming on the program. Well, the annual two-month legislative session ended this past Monday with the passage of a $112 billion budget, which goes into effect July 1st. The budget had broad support in the state capitol, with Democrats and Republicans backing its minimum wage increase for state workers, pay boosts for teachers and law enforcement, state tax suspensions, and more. The budget marked a rare moment of harmony in this year's 60-day session, which also saw lawmakers fighting over bills involving abortion and teaching about race, sexual orientation, and gender identity. The budget raises the minimum wage for state workers to $15 an hour, and all state workers will get a 5% pay raise. It will also give public defenders and assistant state attorneys a $5,000 to $10,000 pay increase. It boosts the minimum salary for state law enforcement officers to $50,000 and raises the minimum salary for teachers to at least $47,500. The budget includes some tax breaks, including a one-month gas tax suspension in October, paid for by federal coronavirus relief dollars. So, Daryl, they say that budgets, whether they're federal or state, are kind of a snapshot of what the legislature or Congress really cares about. How would you, what do you think this budget says about Florida? Well, you know, I've always looked at the budget as the most important political document that any entity of government puts out, whether it's a city government or whether it's the state of Florida or the national government. It tells you the, the, the government's priorities, what things are important to it and what things don't rank so high. Uh, it tells you how they're gonna get their resources. So you look at the tax structure and see who pays uh, to fund all of these different programs that the state has, and who doesn't pay, who, who, who gets a tax rate. So it's the most important political document, and, and in many respects, the most ignored political document. If you look at this year's budget, you'll see a 10% increase in the amount of funds that the legislature had. That's always a great thing for the legislature to have extra money uh, beyond what you anticipated. Last year, they had a 10% increase, which was about $10 billion extra money. This year, they've got a 10% increase, which is about $11 billion. 
So that's $21 billion added to the budget, the $112 billion budget in just the past two years. That's phenomenal. And as was mentioned, uh, part of the reason for the jump this year, two things, the uh, $3.5 billion pumped into the state of Florida from the coronavirus program. And secondly, uh, the state uh, tax receipts were much stronger than anticipated. So that money went into the general revenue. So you get all of these increases in spending, increases in teacher salaries, um, uh, all sorts of things added to the budget that the state never could afford uh, before. And you also get all sorts of tax breaks. I mean, you, you, uh, the budget in many respects is like a Christmas tree package. Uh, there's goodies under the tree for all sorts of people. And this is a tax break for the back to school, which has been very common in Florida over the past. You've got tax breaks for hurricane preparation. Uh, you've got tax breaks for um, um, diapers and clothes for the first time, a one-year tax break on, on that. Uh, you've got the corporate tax cuts. You, you've also got the 25-cent gas tax, which strangely enough goes into effect in October, right before the November elections. So there's a lot of information you can get out of this year's budget. Uh, Mary Ellen, I want to ask you two things about the budget. One is the governor has indicated he may veto some items in this uh, record high budget. Uh, last year he vetoed about $1.5 billion in items. But the other thing is there was talk about corporate tax breaks and I wondered whatever happened to tax breaks for some of the big corporations that were being talked about earlier in the session? Well, um, when it comes to tax breaks for corporations, there there are many proposals in here that give, you know, uh, certain advantages for for companies, but it doesn't or industries. But but the one thing wh where the state used to piggyback on the on a federal um, tax break for the past two well more than two years, um, the legislature chose not to do that this year. And that amounts to about a billion dollars. So this year they chose not to um, continue that tax break. And even though corporations sought that, um, they didn't do it. So um, that I think is a very telling change of direction. And um, I think they thought perhaps that corporations don't need to continue to um, benefit from the state from the state reduction in taxes when uh, it's not happening at the federal level. And, and what about the governor's veto pen? Is he likely to use it? I mean, what, what are you hearing from, uh, from the governor's mansion about whether or not he's got some uh, items in his uh, veto pen uh, sites? Well, every governor wants to give, you know, send the message that he's really scrutinizing the budget. And when you have $112 billion, which as Daryl said, is over $11 billion more than it was last year, and it's, or I'm sorry, an 11% increase over last year. And it's, you know, an enormous amount of, it's a record-breaking budget. I don't think it's going to be hard for this governor to, to find a record amount of uh, projects to veto. Um, plus, what we have is um, the governor wants to make sure that, you know, people who didn't go along with him on some of his priority legislation, and specifically I'll suggest that might be redistricting, um, that he's not going to reward everybody for, for disagreeing with him. So the word is that he is going to do some pretty significant cuts, but um, the seven Republicans who voted with him on redistricting are likely to uh, be spared. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what I'd watch. 
Rita, uh, for a long time, people have complained about f wages here in Florida, and we've seen some wage increases in this budget. Teachers uh, who were 47th in the nation just two years ago, Florida teachers, uh, now they're going to get a pay increase. Have we solved the problem of the, the, the number of, of, of vacancies that we have in uh, the teaching force around the state of Florida? Well, I don't think this budget does anything to go far enough uh, in solving one of Florida's biggest problems, which is our workforce um, shortage of workers. So our workforce crisis was not really addressed by these um, wage increases. Tampa Bay, the inflation rate here is 10%. The state workers just got a 5% raise. They're still losing. Um, when you do the simple math, um, our lowest paid workers are making $600 a week or $2,400 a month. Here in Sarasota, the average rent in Sarasota is $2,000 a month. This doesn't go anywhere near enough for those hardworking um, mi minimum wage $15 an hour workers to even be able to come close to living where they work or <laughs> having housing and food. Now, when it comes to the teachers, we are 47th uh, in the country. We uh, lead the world in the number of teacher shortages we have here. And this goes, again, if you look at four, uh, the lowest paid teacher making uh, 47,000, you know, that comes to gross of 4,000 a month. Average rent here to live is 2,000. That means over 50% of their salary is just going to try to live in the place where they work. All right. So no, I think it's enough. April, what would you say back to uh, to uh, Rita? Well, I, there's no question that our teachers deserve to make more and that we have an issue that we need to, to really provide for that. I think the challenge comes with the each county is different. Um, we can look at Hillsborough County, who's got record funding in education, and still they don't have enough. And it's it's so it's more the county school boards, I think, that are controlling what's going on here. Um, and a bigger picture, the 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 legislature did put some significant money, about 289 million, into after-school programs to try and boost things like the STEM learning, um, civics and holo Holocaust education learning, um, remedial reading intervention, and professional development for reading coaches. So there's definitely some um, fundamental things that are going to come out of this by this extra boost that they're going to give to the to the students where it's needed. Okay. Well, Disney workers are holding walkouts during their breaks every day this week to protest their CEO's slow response in publicly criticizing Florida's parental rights or don't say gay bill. According to a Disney employee website, the protests will culminate this coming Tuesday with a general walkout by LGBTQ workers and their supporters at Disney work sites here in Florida, California, and elsewhere. Disney will pause all political donations here in Florida after they took criticism over how the media giant responded to the legislation, with the Disney CEO apologizing for not taking a more forceful stand against the bill. The bill in question was passed by the state legislature and awaits the governor's signature. The preamble of the bill says the purpose is to prohibit classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity. But later in the bill, the words classroom discussion are changed to classroom instruction. That part says 
Classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. So, uh, Rita, what, what do you think about what is this bill going to do for Florida? A lot of the bill has to do with parental rights, and I think the governor would defend it on that. There is a small portion of the bill, bill that deals with uh, gender and sexual identity. What do you think this bill is going to do for Florida? Oh, I think this bill is designed to cripple our public education system. The language is unclear. There are legitimate reasons why teachers and school leaders are fearful of being sued and the floodgates for lawsuits will open. Oh, we need to look at the money flow and the groups who will benefit from this law. We have loosely interpreted law that will allow parents to school a school to sue a school district for any proposed violation. A lawyer just needs to go to a parent rally, pass out business cards and say to parents, I can get you money and the floodgates are open. We know there are organized, well-funded conservative parent groups set up to sue school districts across this country as a strategy. And this bill just gives ambulance chasers more. So when you look at the financial implications from this bill to a school district, which includes insurance, dramatic insurance, um, insurance uh, needed to cover this liability, you're going to see district legal defense money needing to skyrocket. There's going to be potential settlements of payouts. Um, they're all a financial risk and will need to be accounted for and budgeted for. And more importantly, the teacher shortage is just going to get worse and worse, culminating in public schools being weakened. And um, the people who are going to profit from this are by far the lawyers, the insurers, and the private charter school industry. Rita, is the language, I'm sorry, April is the language in the bill. I'm sorry about That's that. Okay. Is the language in the bill clear? No, I think it is a little vague. That's one of the biggest concerns that people have about it. But this bill is definitely in response to the parental rights bill that was passed the years before. And that bill required that parents be notified of any significant developments involving their children. And what this, what happened or what I'm told happened, what happened was there were discussions and, and conversations with children in elementary school regarding gender identity between teachers and um, counselors and administrative personnel that was not revealed to the parents. And that's pretty much what motivated this, so that the parents would be more involved in, in, in what's going on with their children and to prevent the schools from keeping the parents from being involved. So the, the I mean, I think everybody across the board pretty much agrees that K through three is not a place for any of these discussions to be taking into, you know, to the classroom and to children. It's just not appropriate for those ages. I think that the one of the major concerns is the portion of the bill that just alludes to age appropriate discussions because who's going to make that determination right. and, and, and what's age appropriate discussions are different for every child. Right. Children develop at different stages and different ages. And so. that means it's not limited to K through three too. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Well, Mer hard for me to have the governor call Florida the freedom state uh, every breath that he takes he almost gets that into every message that he gives to his constituents and yet at the same time you're not free to do certain things he said uh, we don't want our children exposed to sensitive top topics you know I thought that was one of the things that schools were supposed to do to, to discuss this in a sensitive way critical way 
but where students could understand different kinds of issues. And, and yet we've become a state where you can't talk about this. We know that they're banning books now because of this in, in, in a number of different schools across the state of Florida. So on and on, it seems like we're the freedom state, but only if you say what the governor wants you to say. Uh, Mary Ellen, I want to ask you about Disney. Disney is the state's largest private employer, and the CEO is under fire from his workers for not taking a tougher stand on this issue as it was being making its way through the state house and Senate. Uh, does this put Disney at odds now, though? The, the, the CEO is now taking a stand against the bill. Does this put Disney at odds with the governor? Uh, I think it definitely does. It's very clear that the, the Disney coming out so, I think, publicly with this um, criticism of the bill didn't seem to do anything to dissuade the governor or the legislature from moving forward with this. That is something I've really never watched in Florida before, where a giant corporation, especially one as as pretty pivotal to our tourism industry, um, didn't get some response. But I do think it's a signal um, that the governor's less worried about kind of what this message is in Florida, and he's more concerned that this is a message that he hopes will resonate with um, supporters, particularly, I think, Republican base supporters at the national level. All right. Rita, I wish we had time, but we don't. So maybe you could do it as your story of the week. While lawmakers did pass social issue legislation, such as parental rights and a ban on abortions after 15 weeks, the legislature did not address some other major issues. Those include steeply rising homeowners insurance, rising rents, condo safety, and the thousands of Florida children who are about to lose Medicaid health insurance. Some special interests did get help. The sugar industry maintained access to fresh water from Lake Okeechobee under a bill intended to protect the Everglades. Florida Power and Light secured disincentives for rooftop solar. Nursing homes will now be allowed to reduce the minimum number of nursing hours that each resident gets daily, possibly endangering elderly residents. And businesses will soon be able to sue local governments if they lose revenue of 15 percent or more as a result of a local ordinance passed by a city council or a county commission. So, April, is that the way you look at it? The kitchen table issues were ignored in this session and big moneyed interest got some some perks out of the session. Would you agree or disagree? I, I wouldn't look at it that way. There were over 3,000 bills presented to the legislature this year, and it's all a matter of allocation. And so they have to prioritize the most important things that they have to get done and the time allocated to, to really get into those and to be able to understand them and to know them and pass them through their committees and, and have public comment during the committees and to make things work so that they understand what they're doing properly. Um, the 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 legislature's number one responsibility is the budget, obviously, and this year redistricting. So that took up a lot of time. I wouldn't be surprised to see a special session coming back on property insurance, which will ultimately include the congressional redraw maps because the governor has said he's going to veto the congressional map that was passed through the House and the Senate. Um, that's because he has his own map that he'd like to see happen, but th that'll end up being a compromise. But I think that there will be a special session coming up this summer, which is highly unusual in a campaign year as well. So mm -hmm. we should see that. But but there were a lot of things that did, um, you know, the, the local business issues that stemmed, I think a lot of this is stemming from what's happened as a result of the pandemic. The pandemic created a situation where local governments really did 
create what they thought was the necessary things to do, but what damaged a lot of businesses. So the, it, this could be um, something that apply, it applies only to private, private for-profit businesses. Right. So it wouldn't be the big conglomerate public businesses that would benefit from this. But it's, it's, there's a lot that they did that, that had to be done. Mary Ellen, I've seen the dis uh, discussion about the uh, preemption of local laws this time as, as saying that now businesses have veto power over local city councils and county commissions. Is that, is that the way it's being viewed? This legislation that would allow companies to sue if their business interests are hurt by a local ordinance? Well, the way the bill was initially drafted, it definitely had that potential. Um, the bill has been, was significantly modified so that you have to be in business a certain number of years, you have to have lost a certain amount of revenue, and you, you can you have an opportunity to um, warn the county and have them repair or repeal the ordinance that you are um, suing them for. So uh, there there have been some modifications. So it's not a one-on-one -on -one veto. Um, with with those changes, the um, uh, Florida Association of Counties and the League of Cities, or specifically the League of Cities, withheld their opposition. Now, there are still a lot of opponents to this, and um, we'll see how this plays out. Um, I do think it is a response very much to the pandemic and the fact that there were local governments that were far more aggressive, especially in areas where the pan where, the, where COVID was just off the charts um, and, and their responses were more aggressive. Uh, but um, I, I, this is something that it, they, the legislature may be forced to return to and, and work out some glitches. Rita, how would you summarize winners and losers in this session of the legislature? Special interest groups won. <laughs> Special interest groups won. We have to just follow the money. Okay. Well, Florida's long been one of the leading states for government transparency. This week, Florida's First Amendment Foundation published a report on what the legislature did this year regarding access to public records and public meetings. The legislature enacted or reinstated 25 exemptions to Florida's public records laws. Among the items that will now be closed to the public, the names of candidates initially applying to become president of a state university or community college. Those names will now be secret. The final group of candidates would later become public. The legislature also wants to keep secret information that could lead to identification of a person or an entity participating in any aspect of an execution. This legislation will also prevent the public from knowing about the companies making and supplying the drugs that are used in executions. So, Mary Ellen, we just have time for you to answer this question. What's been the trend in the legislature when it comes to the Sunshine Laws? Well, there's no doubt that um, legislature, the legislature has been eager and willing. And this year, more than anything, you know, the the um, proposal to exempt um, information about the hiring of university and college presidents has been something that the legislature has rejected for eight years. And this year, given the fact that there was so much money and a redistricting session, they were able to, to persuade um, enough Democrats to go on board and pass that. And um, I think that's, that is just kind of a signal that these, these public records exemptions are just gradually, but uh, you know, significantly being whittled away.
Okay. Well, before we go, what other news stories should we be paying attention to in April? Your other big story of the week. Well, on the public records side, this week we saw um, Tampa City Councilman John Dingfelder resign from his position to City Council, and he's a longtime serving elected official here in, in Tampa and Hillsborough County as well, um, for violations of public records law, which were revealed during a lawsuit. So um, our public records laws are, are very significant, and it's, everybody needs to be aware of what they are and watch for them. And, and we don't know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of <laughs> opaqueness about exactly what was, what was the violation there, too. We, I, I think we may be hearing more in the future, so. Okay. Uh, Rita, your other big story of the week. Well, just to comment on the earlier question, there are many ways to improve parent engagement and parent communication. Suing teachers and crippling school districts with lawsuits does not achieve that goal. Um, my story of the week is, why did the Sarasota County Commission elect to award over $825,000 of incentive uh, grants from taxpayer money to Canadian-based Rumble under a uh, uh, subject called Project Sunshine? So I think we are going to hear a lot more about why is Sarasota subsidizing Russian state TV platform Rumble? All right. In the Darrell, you're the big story. Well, the worst law that was passed, as far as I can see, is the election law. The uh, governor uh, pushed for this uh, special office and the secretary of states to uh, get, uh, investigate election fraud, uh, even though he just said the 2020 election was the smoothest election uh, in Florida's history and there was no fraud to be seen. Uh, so they're going to create a basically 60-person office, including 10 sworn police officers, all appointed by the governor, to investigate the fraud that doesn't exist at a cost of about $5 million to Florida taxpayers. It makes no sense to me. It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't exist. We are the only state to have it. You can either say we're the first in, in the nation to recognize the need or we're the only state that's dumb enough to put something like this into effect. All right. And Mary Ellen, your other big story. I hate to say this, but I think we're going to be in for a very long summer of redistricting let litigation. Um, in the last week, Common Cause and Fair Districts now have asked a federal judge to draft congressional redistricting plans. That is a signal that those lawsuits are, are on board. Um, a Democratic elections lawyer asked a state judge to do the same thing. That is just the beginning. All right. Well, thank you all for a great program. Thank you for watching Florida This Week. Please send us your comments at ftw.wedu.org. You can view this and past shows online at wedu.org or on the PBS app. And Florida This Week is now available as a podcast. You can find it on our website or wherever you download your podcasts. And from all of us here at WEDU, have a great weekend. Florida This Week is a production of WEDU, who is solely responsible for its content.